The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Have you ever watched anyone, have you ever seen anyone kiss anyone in a cinema? Yeah, um, the first time I ever saw a man kiss a man was in a cinema in Brighton. I saw um, Black Labyrinth. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was Black Dark Crystal. God, that was bizarre. Black Labyrinth, but it even exists as a film. That's a bizarre mixture of Jim Henson titles brought together. And... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it was in Brighton. It was in a cinema, Odeon Cinema by the seafront. We saw um, Dark Crystal. It was a double bill, Dark Crystal and Watership Down. And um, I thought they were kissing. I'm yeah, just Watership just, Down. Just kissing. And How I, old I'm, were you? I would have been... Um, so I saw E.T. when I was five. That was the first film. So I'd have been six, seven or eight. I think I was about eight. Eight or nine. I started snogging during a Watership At, Down. And, um, yeah, they just started, uh, they, they, one of them had his arm around the other one. And um, I kept looking around. I think it was... Um, Were you with your mum and dad? No, I think bizarrely, weird that my mum and dad weren't there. I just remember being there with my friend Timothy and Oliver at the Odeon Cinema. And there was two men behind us just kissing. And I remember just kept looking over, examining them. And um, he kept saying, oh, there's more to watch on the screen over there type of thing. What? And yeah, it's strange. And he he was quite playful and kind of, um, he wasn't in any way um, uh, confrontational, negative. He th- I think he found it funny that I kept turning around looking at him. Yeah, but why are you kissing during a rabbit movie? I know, it is bizarre. Was it during the rabbit movie or the... Um, particularly during Dark Crystal. So the spe- Skepsies would turn up. The Spexies. I can't remember. I can't pronounce the name. And he's like, oh! Do you remember them? Bizarre I've with the big I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Oh, it's quite, a, uh, it's quite an image. And it's quite dark. I mean, Jim Henson... Can you imagine of... kissing someone during those scenes? Um, not personally, but I do remember focusing on the Spexies and then looking over and seeing them uh, kissing. Was and, it like um, proper kissing or just pecs? Long, sensual um, lip lock kissing. It wasn't snogging. There's was nothing French about it. It was very kind of like... Was it a busy but, cinema? Medium. There are a few uh, chairs kind of like... Uh, it wasn't absolutely packed. It wasn't Temple of Doom, Living Daylights, you know, action movie, summer madness. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't cinema fever taking place around me. Well, there was a fever taking place around me. Two men in love. You can't knock that. 
Wow. You can't knock that, but there's a time and a place, isn't there? There is a time and a place. I remember, do you know what? Bizarrely, I, I sometimes think about it a lot. And I just think um, those guys really did seem in love. I know it sounds a bizarre thing to say, but they really were, um, you know, having a... Well, obviously, at the start of their relationship. I know. Oh, God, yeah. Flipping right. Yeah, definitely. They haven't moved in together yet. He hadn't started having to, like, clean his socks. Yeah, you're quite right there, Captain. I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, those Hollywood tinsel down first weeks of holding hands and feeding each other KFC on the Brighton Pier. They just weren't interested in the Dark Crystal, were they? Well, they are They'd, interested in some Dark Crystal. Like they certainly were, for crying out loud. I think it was, what did I mean by that? What did I mean by that? I thought Dark Crystal like um, some kind of sexy, glistening object. <laughs> Some kind of sexy, erotic I MacGuffin. What, I don't know what I meant by that, but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Did they kiss during the wardship down? Maybe not. I remember, I definitely remember it was a double bill, but I remember Dark Crystal. I remember the scene very specifically, the Spexies turn up, which are the evil characters who have basically stolen the Dark Crystal and are using it to take over the universe, as these people bloody do. You just saying that is making me horny. It certainly does. It makes. I was thinking I'm going to go straight onto YouTube and have a look at some of these spexies for crying out loud. And because um, a bizarre old one, Dark Crystal Henson hadn't really perfected how to create a, a Muppet orientated movie. Well, obviously not the Muppets. It wasn't the Kermit Kermit involved, but he wanted to do this big mythology, didn't he? Big mythology fairy tale puppet. Do you think that's what the guys were thinking? Do you know what Henson hasn't quite nailed this? So let's do some kissy wissies. I know, absolutely flipping egg. For them, it was just a crap Punch and Judy show. <laughs> they had something a lot more interesting to uh, to focus on. I don't think I've ever kissed anyone in the cinema. I haven't, actually. No. I take cinema far too uh, seriously to uh, start lip-locking. <laughs> yeah. No, I never, I've never been given the invitation, to say the truth. So you've never cut a hole in the bottom of the pop- popcorn and... No, never done anything kind of um, erotic like that. Another thing to uh, to give someone an illegal surprise during the uh, second act of a, of a blockbuster. <laughs> Out the blue, here's my Oscar. Do you want to make an, uh, a, you know, a, do you want to give a speech type of thing? This is going to change your career. This Jesus is Christ. Here's my golden Oscar. Here's my golden Oscar for crying out. There's a lot of nominees, but you are the winner. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, no, it's, it's terrible. We need to edit that out. That's just horrific. Absolutely horrific. I mean, that's how you just ruin people's lives. There isn't enough therapy to sort that out afterwards, is there? Once you've thrown that there are a lot emotional of grenade. Nominees for you are well, you want to boost someone up, don't you? This isn't a disaster. <laughs> do you know what I mean? This is a kind of like a, a dark oh. version of X Factor. You have actually you've made it on the list. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. It's a form of trophy. David Edwards Movie News. So, David, have you got any movie news this week? Yeah, the big, big movie news that's all over Tinseltown and West Sussex um, is... um, blah, 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 blah. Basically... Warner Brothers, sorry, uh, yeah, Warner Brothers and Discovery have merged into one large company now. Um, and a guy called David Zazif, I've got that surname wrong again, and I do apologise. He's now the new CEO, and I'll get to my point. Well, let's get the name right. 
David Zaz. It's still not right. <laughs> um, he's a big CEO, um, big cat, big fat cat that's now in charge of Warner Brothers and Discovery that have merged together. Let's get the name right. Zav Zazif. Are you, are you going to go? Oh, yeah, David Zaz. Might as well. I don't even know what I'm googling. So if you put in a CEO Zazlav. Zazlav, there you go. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'd have my first opportunity to pitch to him and I get his surname wrong and I think a trapdoor would appear underneath my feet in that world. Basically, get to the point, I'm very poor at this, so I will get straight to my point. He's now gonna look after Warner Brothers and he's he's bought Warner Brothers and merged it with his with the Discovery Channel he was in charge of. They're now billions of dollars in debt. And, but he thinks in the long run, though, this is going to work, Discovery and Warner Brothers. And let's remember, Warner Brothers owns HBO Max and DC. But he's trying to make money, you know, he's trying to actually get funds again, to actually uh, cost-saving exercises. So he's literally um, got rid of two movies that were actually produced and finished. One was Batgirl, which actually had Michael Keaton reprising his Batman role. And one was a big animated Scooby-Doo movie. And um, he felt that they weren't good enough for a cinema release. And um, he also didn't feel they were, um, he he believes that for a film to do well on streaming, it needs to be released in the cinema, gain loads of hype, and then be put on the uh, streaming service. And he feels both of these films won't create enough uh, excitement in the cinema. So instead, he's actually just shelved them both. And through doing that though, he'll get loads of um, tax rebate from it. Because uh, because he's actually he's in that position where he's merged two companies, um, the actual tax laws around him are a lot more relaxed. So basically, what we're saying here is all the DC comic book fans are up in arms because there is a Batgirl film out there with Michael Keaton reprising his role as Batman, but you'll never see the light of day ever. It might be leaked on the internet, and also there's a big Scooby Doo animated film, and the directors who sorry, David, my breakfast at the door. Oh, is it? I love it, sir. You need to grab your breakfast. You need those carbohydrates. Go for it. Get that oatmeal inside you. Sorry, David. No, you go for it. Is this back? back Tell me the truth. Is this Batgirl fact has it got legs or is it stalling? What? It has this Batgirl. You fact. crack on. I'm having my breakfast. You absolutely, totally and utterly. You go for it. I was just looking it's, at David Zaslav. David Zaslav. He's, no, it's interesting. I was just imagining <sighs> making this film, all the work that's gone into it, and then oh god, gone. Well, first of all, all the fans were looking forward to it. But also, the other thing is, the directors of the movie, um, they are the directors of Bad Boys 3. Now, don't get me wrong, Bad Boys 3 ain't going to win uh, Oscars. Isn't. And it isn't going to win Oscars. No. Uh, absolutely. You said it ain't. Ain't, isn't. Absolutely. You're not Cockney, Dave. This isn't a Guy Ritchie film. Be real. Be yourself. You're just a bloke. He's in his mid-40s. He lives in West Sussex. Don't try and use bloody urban Cockney talk to try and add some more excitement and flourish to this Batgirl news. It's losing its legs type of thing. Um, oh, God, the, I was going to choke on a tomato. 
Oh, we don't want that. Goodness me. That's a healthy breakfast of tomato. Got a, I had bloody Frosties. Just Did sugar. You? Yeah, Did basically you? sugar with a lion on the front. Um, what was I thinking? Oh, it's a tiger. It's not a lion, is it? Um, let's have a think. Yeah, so basically got these two directors from Bad Boys 3. So, yeah, they're not Tarantino, they're not that big, but they're established directors. And Bad Boys 3 did do very well at the box office. Mm. And and they finished the film, and the, the directors are brothers, they're brothers. Mm. And two minutes before going up the aisle to get married, one of the directors was phoned and, phoned and told that oh. his film would, is just going, well, it's like the Ark of the Covenant. It's just going to be put into a warehouse. Who was in that? Who was in that film? Uh, Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, was that Raids of Lost Ark? Yeah, that's Raids of Lost Ark, sorry. Yeah, who's who's in that? Harrison Ford. There he is. It's a contractual agreement that he always makes a cameo. Like the Star Wars uh, contract. He's got to pop up. Next. Um, So basically, yeah, and he couldn't understand it on the phone. He was interviewed on a podcast. He was like, I don't understand. The The stress of that. Absolute stress. And also, it shows how big budget these cinema releases need to be because Zaslav... Is that how you pronounce his name? Um, is is basically um, he said uh, uh, Batgirl is ninety million, and ninety million films, yeah, you know, they haven't got a room in cinema anymore. To, to make a big, that's what he's saying. He goes to make an impact in cinema, you need to be looking at one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty million. And he goes, Batgirl is just it's a medium budget action film. And also, he'll make money through tax rebates, and he realizes that his company is in that that sweet spot where they're merging. So the tax policies around him are a lot more relaxed. At no point is your project your just feels at no point is it safe. That's what everyone in Tinseltown is saying. That's what everyone in Hollywood saying is that you know, as a creative, if you make a film with Warner, because the other thing Warner Brothers did, which really got people's backs up during the COVID was that they realized there was no cinema whatsoever and they just started their streaming service hbo max and out the blue without even telling the directors they said all films are going to go straight onto our streaming site and um some of them won't even get a cinema release and once again a lot of the creatives were um, you know directors and writers were like what on earth I, I made this film for the cinema so warner brothers you know um uh, i don't want to make this about me at all but i couldn't help but think think then i cannot believe our film made it to cinemas in america oh my god absolute you know that's a lottery win that is a lottery win mate that it's is insane. just incredible and when it what the thing is when it happens you kind of think yeah we'll do another one that will happen and we'll do it again and it's like it'll never happen again for us it'll never happen again i think you know you managing that is just like you know Pele doing a back kick and then getting it into the goal. Do you know what I mean? A, ba- I think a bat's kick. A, a back kick. Is that the one where he went backwards? A oh, back kick. A back kick. That's it. Absolutely not a back kick. He didn't pretend to be a bat with his arms up like a floating uh, no, creature. No, it, honestly, I was just like, it's it's insane. It's fucking madness. Yeah, it's nuts. That's just like bizarre. It's it, the way the industry is at the moment. That's just um, insane. I think the only people that are managing to bring out films of a low budget and do well is A24 with everything everywhere at once. But yeah, but that's not. That was thirty million or something. It's hardly. Yeah, low very budget. true. Yes, very true. Even then, I mean, compared to a, a British film that's maybe three or four million, I mean, thir- yeah, like the film for British film, like Train Spotting or Brian and Charles, I mean, 30 million would well, be. Brian off- and Charles is one and a half. 
Oh my God. I mean, what did Everything Everywhere Once spend one and a half million on? Probably on the catering. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, but probably a large slice of it when I'm just feeding well, that, them that, that one That has done incredibly well, that film. Oh, it's it? done amazing. It's, it's made over 100 million. Has it so, I mean, And for a low-budget A24 film, and they've got another one coming out, A24, called Bodies, 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 and that's getting the same hype again. Oh, do you remember Boys, Boys, Boys by Sabrina? Um. Oh, the song? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Boys, Boys, Boys. <laughs> Is that how it went? Yeah. I'll yeah, boys, boys, boys. Oh, please do. You could sing bodies, bodies, bodies to it, but uh, yeah, his boys. No, boys, no, I think that'd go well at the moment. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Boys, bodies, bodies, bodies. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Really rude, David. Nostalgia. Oh, it's very rude. Her nipples hanging out of her. No, I remember her cleavage being very revealing. It's, no, her nipple is hanging out of her. That's not allowed, is it? I could imagine that thing showing top well. of the box. This is the video. They must have been pixelated. I can't imagine Chris Tarrant, you know, presenting that. Maybe it's an X-rated video that maybe shown like after twelve on the music channels. Bodies, bodies, bodies. It's a great They're song. Everywhere. Oh it's god, it's a great song. song. Um, do you know another great eighties song? We're going way off topic here. That was used to promote a new um, TV show on Amazon called Paper Girls. I know. Can't talk about TV. You're quite right. You are quite right. <laughs> I'm going to put a horn whenever TV's Yeah, TV, absolutely. That that rude intruder that's ruining cinema. Sabrina is now 54 years old. God, she's my age, more or less. Well, you're nowhere near 54, for crying out loud. Don't do that to yourself. Okay. That's like eight years away. Anyway, this is not a Sabrina podcast. No, absolutely should be. I'm Thank you for that news, though, David. Not a problem. Can I try and get that guy on the podcast, Zazlev? If we could, that really would be like God coming down from the mountains. It'd be like, you know, God almighty. It'd be like David giving Goliath a hug type of thing. Let's not chuck stones at each other. Let's sit down and talk movies. Nice to meet you, David. Um, it's nice to be on the podcast. Um, I'm only here for five minutes. So what's your first question, please? Oh, okay. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for your time. Um, Secondly, what do you what do you think the future for Warner Brothers is? I mean, what what's your strategy film wise? Well, because you know I've got a lot of film ideas. I'd love to, you know, fill in a Warner Brothers. Movie no, you wouldn't say pole. that. You wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. That. I wouldn't. Thank say you that. for I, all your movie news this week, David. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for your movie news. Oh right, this sorry, week. I, so I ruined that with him, haven't I? <laughs> no, not at all. David Edwards Movie Review. So, last week, our random movie generator uh, generated the movie Perfect World. Perfect World, absolutely. With Kevin Costner and Clint Eastwood. Well, I, 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 again, this week, I was like, oh, what's David? Oh, David's reviewing Perfect World. I don't know anything about this movie. I think it did quite well, as in critically. Over to you, David. What did you think of Perfect World? 
I was very impressed by Perfect Worlds. Were you? It's definitely, uh, it's a very, it starts off like it's just going to be like The Fugitive. I, uh, I love this bit. I love this podcast. I mean, oh, so I think do this I. podcast should be enormous. Fingers bloody crossed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I could really do this as a boost, just a self-esteem boost. So when I go to Tesco's queuing up, I think to myself, well, you know, there's a lot of things I don't have, but at least I've got a bloody podcast that's... Yeah, uh, they might get, you know, if this, awakening if this does well, they might ask you to go on, I don't know. Oh, God, I'd go to a film show on anyway if it was Bob Nassif from. And it was just the OAPs. Perfect world. Perfect world. It starts off like you think it's Who's just... It? It's got Kevin Costner. It's got Lauren Dern actually in there, which I wasn't aware of. She plays a criminologist that looks at crime from a scientific point of view. And then you've got the um, the main police detective who's after Kevin Costner, which is Clint Eastwood. And the idea is Kevin Costner with his uh, co-partner, um, not really a friend, but um, a partner uh, of crime. Did Clint Eastwood direct it? Sorry. Clint Eastwood did direct it. You are yeah. quite right. So Clint, Clint Eastwood co-stars with Costner and he directs. And uh, Kevin Costner is a criminal in prison and with one of his uh, jailmates uh, breaks out of prison and um, they find themselves in a near the jail uh, jail um, compound. They, uh, they find themselves in a um, uh, God almighty, I've forgotten the uh, this is very it? poor. This is a poor start. to the. This is a really Jehovah's Witness community. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. very poor start to it. You're quite right. Don't worry, it can only go up now, listeners. Do you know what I mean? We've hit the we've hit the low point. So they broke it. They've broken out of a prison. They broke out of prison. They go to Jehovah's Witness community. They try and grab someone's car so they can drive off to freedom. A grandfather within this Jehovah's uh, community comes out of a gun. Are you just telling us the plot? No, no, no. This would be the trailer. This would be the trailer. And then Costner, to stop the guy uh, putting the gun, grabs his um, grandson and uses it as a hostage to leave to get into the car. So now you've got two criminals, a kid they've accidentally kind of taken in a moment of fear and panic, and now they're dri driving off. And now Clint Eastwood, um, the cop, is after them. And you think you've got like a Harrison Ford, oh, there we go, Dane, and Fuck Tommy Leach, I know, don't worry, I am gonna get, <laughs> I'm going to get hypnotherapy or something, or a cognitive behavioral therapist. You can get these things. What is your issue with him? You adore him. Anyway, it's a disaster, isn't it? He pops no, up without even knowing it. it. Yeah, well, it's going to be the same. It's going to use to take an optimistic view on my Ford <laughs> addiction. Um, but there's more to it than than the fugitive. A lot more going on because um, as they go on their road journey, Kevin. Co it's always very well written because Kevin Costner does break the law, but a lot of the time it's to protect the child. The child yeah. and Kevin Costner bond, and you think it's just going to be a very sort of naff relationship, but it's not because. You work out the child doesn't have a father. Kevin Costner um, also didn't have a father growing up. So there's a father-son relationship that appears there. And it's done very tastefully and very realistically. So it's not just cliches. Mm -hmm. And also you realise in a bizarre way that Kevin Costner's kind of ironically saved this child from a very oppressive Jehovah's Witness existence. 
type of thing. But then the, the other, the really good thing, and I won't go too much into it because it will ruin the plot, is that um, the Clint Eastwood-Kevin Costner relationship is not just cat and mouse. It's not just Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. They have a Hello. history. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. There we go, once again. There needs to be a bugle there or a Han Solo laser gun going off. You're using it well, as a let's, metaphor. Let's have a little listen. Sorry, you were saying it's not it's not just Tommy Lee Jones, Harrison Ford. Go on. No, it's not just cat and mouse. It's revealed that they've got a history together. So everyone's got these very detailed relationships. And man, the ending is emotionally very intense. I won't okay. spoil it. Okay, let's have a little listen. Let's have a listen. To Perfect World. Definitely. Philip, that stuff you told me about not trick-or-treating because of Jehovah, was you pulling my leg? No, sir. What else ain't you supposed to do? We don't get Christmas. You're shitting me. No birthdays, no parties, neither. You ain't never been to a carnival, neither, have you? No. Cotton candy? I've seen that once. It's wet. No, it's not as pink. Never ate one, though. Roller coasters? Seen pictures. You know, Philip, you have a goddamn red, white, and blue American right. Eat cotton candy, ride roller coasters. I do. Hell yes, you do. So you were saying the ending, you're not going to let the ending out of the bag, but it hit you like a... Uh, a ton of, well, not like a ton of bricks. It's like... Um, apples? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, an orchard of apples just being <laughs> emptied on my head from a very specific funnel, each of them hitting me, you know, and I'm tied up and I can't move. Really? Is it... Is it... It yeah, he's, you did it this movie. It got me. It really did actually. It really, really. I tell you something. Clint Eastwood does make very traditional classic films, doesn't he? They're not gimmicky. He starts with a character journey, and then within that, it emerges within a genre format, storytelling format. But you can tell that you know it's not. It wasn't just a cat and mouse game. And I mean, you know, I mean, a classic example of what Perfect World could have been was that Bruce Willis film that we reviewed a few weeks back. What was that called? Mercury Rising. Mercury Rising, which is just like a cop and a kid on the run and some governmental system trying to track them down. So you've got cat and mouse, and the main action hero needs to have a fatherly relationship with the son. There's a lot more character stuff going on in the background. They always say that um, a good script doesn't just focus on the big genre set pieces, first of all, like, you know, the, the stunts and the, and the big visual spectacle. They focus on the characters, first of all. Where have the characters come from? What are their issues? What are their anxieties? And you can tell that Clint Eastwood's done some proper storytelling mechanics because the more it develops, it's less and less about cops and criminals and chases. That is there. But it's more about um, character development and people's histories. Basically, um, people growing out without fathers and how that affects them in a big, big way. So when did it come out and how well did it do? Do you know? It came out um, 
in the late nine in the mid 90s so i should right. have that in my notes that's really appalling that i don't don't say that don't say that don't absolutely keep that um keep that out of the blue so look at all these notes i've got all these notes here and i haven't got the film's bloody um date on there so yeah. i come prepared so it's amazing yeah, i can't no, remember anyone come prepared yeah the, 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 i can't remember anyone's bloody names so it's like <laughs> 90 93 94 okay and it was after Kevin Costner was in his sweet spot because he'd just done Prince of Thieves and he'd just done Dances of Walls. So he'd been the summer blockbuster king and he'd won the Oscar that year. So it'd been something like 93, 94 it'd come out. Did we talk about this on another podcast about like this, this book and when he talks about stars? Did we talk about that? Yes, yeah, uh, you and me spoke about it in person, not on a podcast. Because you just made me think that because he, he talks about what is a star, William Goldman. Yes, what he's into and I think he just he lists ten movie stars of a certain year, the top ten movie stars, and then he goes back five years and lists the top ten movie stars of that year, and only two or three from that year made it to the. God, that is interesting. And then he goes back five years, the top ten movie stars of that year, and the only person that was in each list, each top ten, was Clint Eastwood. Everyone else had fallen away. So that being a movie star, it's just you just mentioned Ke Kevin Costner. He was huge, wasn't he? For, yeah, he was absolutely massive. And then he just dropped off that. And why was that? Because of a couple of films. He didn't play the game particularly. It was very much a case of um, he um, used his star. You you could argue that he used his star power in a very noble manner to put together these very large, ambitious projects. Okay. But when they failed, dear God, did they... Um, well, like what? There's Waterworld. Uh, what else? So Waterworld, that did poorly, and it costs a lot of money. And also he became quite egotistical on set, and he got rid of the director, Kevin Reynolds, who directed him on Robin Hood and did his own edit of the film at the end. So he became very controlling. But then he did another apocalypse film. He seems to have a real appetite for his apocalypse film. He did The Postman. Oh. Which is the idea you had a form of postman that would um, share news between all these apocalyptic uh, communities. And that failed. Massively. So do you think, so it's those two films that... They, they, they call it, yeah, uh, filmmaker prison, basically, whereby, you know, um, definitely kind of um, his golden streak had come to an end with that. So is this film Perfect World pre-Waterworld? Um... Do you know what? So I think we've got to, to know up. this, David. I'm sorry. I know. It's got... really, I apologise. Sorry. It really is bad, though, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. It really is. Um, let's, let's make sure we've got the actual date for this. I think this was before Waterworld, yes. Okay, so he did Waterworld, Perfect World, Dances with World? Um, he did basically... Um, Dances with World? Dances with Walls. Oh, is it Walls? So it was World. Uh, yeah, no, Dances with Walls is um because he's with Water the uh, world, Perfect World and Dances with World. Dan Dances with Wolves, Dances with Wolves. No, it's Perfect Wolves, Water Wolves. Robin of um, dear God, I'm no good with multitasking at all. Okay, <laughs> I, I really am. Um, anyway, back to Perfect World. You Here we go. Let, let's get his filmography up for you. So well, we can, let's um, not. Let's. Oh dear. <laughs> dear God. Mark Camone never has this, does he? No. So, but you rate you rate this film Perfect Worlds. So I've never heard of it. 
Perfect World, I completely and utterly rate in a big, big way. Here we go. Here, here are his films in order, okay? Oh, God, so I yeah. do apologize. Here we go. So Dance of the Wolves, 1990, Oscar winner. 1991, Robin uh, Robin Hood, okay? Yeah. Then you got JFK, Oliver Stone. Okay. So God, he's on fire at this point. Yeah. Then he's got the bloody bodyguards with Whitney Houston. What? So, you know, this what, guy what is, is on this? 91, 92, 93? This is 92. 93. Anything I do, I do it for, for you. you. Yeah, bloody hell. Uh, that's Robin Hood's. Yeah, that's Robin yeah. Hood's chair. And then uh, yeah. Bodyguard, yeah. I will I always, always love you, baby. Yeah. Top tracks. We don't have that anymore, do we? We never no. have these songs coming out alongside of um, these movies. For the then you start to see things not going to Kevin's um, yeah. uh, wonder basically Kevin's wonder. Wonder. that's a lovely that's a lovely constructed syntax of a sentence perfect world comes out okay it's not the massive hit it was supposed to be it was supposed to be another oscar movie it didn't get many nominations why why is that do you think um i'm not entirely sure love it yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely thought it was um, fantastic. I think a lot of the time, uh, sometimes people think they've had their Oscar run, don't they? It's time to focus on other people. And I think also the industry does start to turn on you in a way. There you go. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Go on. Yeah, carry on. Um, then he does White Earp, 1994. And that's, it doesn't, they think it's going to be another Dancers of Wolves, Western classic and um the reviews are okay they're pretty much four out of five but it doesn't um, one of the problems is a lot of people say it's very very long it's way over three hours and that that limits the box office because that okay. means you can't get as many showings in during a day it's like perfect world it just didn't set the um the town on fire do you know what i mean it didn't get the oscar nominations expected he then did uh, the war which was um a film where he bonds with a young child played by elijah wood that yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah. then he does water world yeah then he does the postman and, what's and then the things, postman um then he does message in a bottle never heard of it never no. heard of that the love of the game never, never heard, heard of that, that. play it to the bone never, never heard, heard of that. that that's crazy isn't it he had four or five big whoppy doodars and then nothing. massive i mean boppy doodars you could not you know, plug up your toilet do you know what i mean yeah. just like completely um okay. <laughs> okay david so perfect world directed by clint eastwood starring clint eastwood and kevin costner yes so how many chock ices out of five are you going to give it I would definitely, I would say five. I'd say good stuff. I honestly, God, I really thought it was well constructed storytelling. Clint Eastwood's very, very good. It's whoa, like Mystic whoa, River, whoa, 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 you know, really whoa, well constructed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We've never had a five. I think I gave um, Westworld a five. Did you? I'm pretty sure I gave Westworld a five. We've had two fives on the trot. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't say there was any real problems with Perfect World. You know, I, I really did think it was like a well. And it hit you like a. Yeah, the ending. I think some. Do you know one thing I would say? I think some people might find the the ending a bit melodramatic. But I was sucked in. Jeremy, you know I mean? it was melodramatic. It is high stakes drama. It is almost got a King Kong vibe to it type of thing. You know, it's that melodramatic spectacle vibe. But I felt that you know it would. Um, I think the other thing is. It's a case of, it's a film that um, would not be released in the cinemas today. 
it's a today that story would be an hbo tv series over six episodes you know it's interesting how cinemas changed you know that kind of people focused drama is not why people go to their local theater anymore it really did make me think that god this was released in the cinema there's no way that would happen now well thank you very much david for that review not a problem not a problem at all happy to share David Edwards movie tip. Okay, have you got any movie tips this week? Yeah, I'll tell you, movie tip. Um, definitely, once again, a, mo- a movie that's um, gone to streamers, talking about st- uh, streamers, is um, the new Predator film called Prey, um, directed by, what's his name, Dan Trachtenberg. Dan Trachtenberg. He did 10 Clover Field Lane. Um, What's his name again? Uh, Dan uh, Tran. So T R A C H T E N B E R Berg. Tratch Tenberg. Dan Trachtenberg. And. Um, Dan Trachtenberg. That's it. Trachtenberg. That's the chap. Yeah. He also directed some Black Mirror uh, episodes. Primarily, one he did was called Playtest, which is about a game player gets stuck in a virtual reality nightmare gamescape. And basically. Um, They've really, because I mean, the last Predator films, well, you, you know, they just went over the top with the whole Predator theme. I mean, the main thing it was Predators, wasn't it? So loads of Predators. And I mean, um, I think What's Predator 1. called One, Prey? Sorry. It's called Prey. It's set in 1700s Native American period peace setting. And it's about a young girl who aspires to be a hunter um, within an African-American tribal community. And uh, the predator appears, and it's him entering into the um, this Western landscape once again. You know, going into his kind of predator mode of finding what uh, predatorial challenges he can take on. Have you within seen this? It? I have seen it. Yeah, it's bloody good. It's got terrible reviews. Has it? Has it got bad reviews? <laughs> Has it really some of my voice just went there? Like shot like someone told me a family member had passed away. Has it got bad reviews? Well, it has on IMDb. Oh my lord! Well, I rather it got David awful. Awful. I mean, I don't trust IMDb anyway. But no, but I mean, each to their own. I sat there on my, you know, my lounge throne, rather pleased with it. I was like, oh, this is good. Okay, well, if it's I'd good. say they scaled it back to the, the to the classic form of the first and second one, where there's only one predator. Hang on, am I looking at the right prey? 2021, a hiking trip into the wild turns into a desperate bid for survival. Is that it? Well, it's, it's in the wild, but it, it's a predator. It should be um, 2022 is the one oh, I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, I mean, I thought, God, maybe my taste has really gone left field. For I can't to find it. it. Sh- oh, I've got it. I've got it. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah. it would be an, a native uh, Indian warrior female character. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Uh, no, do not apologize, Captain. There's a lot of information out there on the superhighway. Yeah too much sometimes it's, a, it's an engulfment of data oh, i mean there's a there was a movie out last year called prey sorry everyone it seems to be a popular term um and and basically they've scaled it down one predator and also minimal dialogue a lot of it really is just focusing on visuals and also great panoramic landscape shots similar to a John Ford, John Wayne Western of like the 50s type of searchers vibe or a stagecoach. And um, 
nice twist in the third act that I won't give away. They like add another layer to the plot, which keeps you engaged. Okay. Do you know the only frustrating thing when I was watching it was? Yeah. What a waste just to put it on a streaming site. I thought to myself, God, that would have made a nice Friday night entertainment for me in the cinema. It may not have been the best film of the week, but I'd have happily sat there with my popcorn, mm. you know, in an air-conditioned cinema. I'd have happily have watched that. And clearly it had been lensed for a big cinematic experience. Because, I mean, you know, it's set in the, uh, the Wild West outback of the Native Americans in the 1700s. You know, everything looks like a John Ford or... You know, uh, Sione Leone, um, you know, sort of Who? Western vibe. Sergione Leone. Yeah. I tried to skip over that name quickly. Uh, listen. I tried to listen, sprint the, across that I, name. I have a difficult role to play here. Do I pick you up on names or do I not? Hit me up on names. Be the because grammar police. I'm thinking about someone listening going, okay, this is a new movie podcast. And you call someone Sergioni Leone. <laughs> I feel like I've got to say to that person listening, we're all aware that it's not Sergioni Leone. <laughs> you have to be the you have to be the um, the grammar police, Mister. You I don't know if I do though. I don't know if I do. I think you do. I genuinely do think that. I do, I do. I literally okay. do think there's a sheriff. There needs to be a I just don't want anyone listening going, I'll let him say Sergio Nini Leone. But if you let that happen, it'd be like you might as well just have a, a, um, a confused OAP <laughs> that thinks they're just talking about the Antiques Roadshow. This is a completely different, you know, film okay. or TV. Okay. Sergio right. Leone. Um, so, you know, it's basically filmed for this big screen cinematic experience. And but you know um, Disney because Disney own the majority of um, Hulu, the streaming service. They own sixty percent of it, and Universal own the rest. They just chucked it on their streaming service. You know they haven't given it a cinema release at all. Sorry, guess, on Disney this is. Yeah, it'll be in in Europe. It'll be on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. In America, it's on Hulu. So primarily, it's, it's it's released on Hulu. Do you really recommend it? I do definitely, absolutely definitely recommend it. You would not be bored. It would be a well-spent... Um, it's Saturday night popcorn fun. Do you know what I mean? It's not as good as the first one. I'd say it's up there with the second one. It really isn't bad. I'll tell you what. I mean, I went to the cinema recently to see um, another big action film that came out. They did get a cinema release. Bullet, Bullet Train. Train. Yeah. With Brad Pitt. I wouldn't recommend that one. I mean, I saw, I saw some clips from that. This is not for me, Bullet Train. Do you know what's interesting about Bullet Train is I read the script for Bullet Train before I saw the film. And the script is not Shakespeare. It's not Macbeth. It's not an amazing piece of, of work. But it kept me engaged, the script, all the way through. And it does. So, you know, so I could see why they decided to produce the script and turn it into something. But um, you can tell that the role of a director is so tough. That if you cast the wrong people or visually you convey certain scenes in a certain manner, um, you can lose the whole thing. And a lot of um, um, Bullet Train is too reliant on green screen and CGI and an, an over embellishment of visual spectacle. And because that is not rooted in any sense of reality. You know, you don't feel as though um, it's grounded anyway. Not that it, everything needs to be a Mike Lee social realism kitchen sink film. But I think if you're going to give something a cinema release, it's got to have that intense visual experience. It's got to be a, a spectacle. So Prey did that for you. Prey did that to me, and it's a shame I watched it on my PC screen. 
Well, thank you very much, David, for your movie tip this week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the tip. Because if not, it's just a man in a bed sit on his own, just talking to a mirror. So, you know, thank God there's... <laughs> I can get it off my chest. David Edwards, Random Film Generator. Okay, so the movie generator for this week. Thank God, because I've got nothing else prepared. I thought there was a fourth. No, no, no. <laughs> So, uh, here we go, is the movie generator, just uh, you can hear it in the background. Humming away. So, this is such an exciting time of the week for me. What will be plucked out of the cinema tre- treasure chest of time? So, for those of you who don't know, if you're new to this podcast, David uh, has to pick a genre and a year, a decade. Uh, we find three films from the movie generator and then you have to blindfoldedly pick one from the three to watch and review for next week. Please give me a genre and tell me when to stop. I've got the genres here. I'm working on them around here. Okay, tell me when to stop. Stop. Animation. Oh, there you go. You can't go wrong with a bit of animation. Now the, the uh, decade, tell me when to stop. Stop. 1960s. 60s animation, what's that going to be? Sort of Robin Hood. We generate. Tell me when to stop. Stop. The Sword and the Stone. I've never seen The Sword and Stone. The Sword and the Stone. That's like a King Arthur tale, isn't it? Yes. Here we go. I've never seen that. That's a Disney classic, isn't that? That's kind of a forgotten one within the Disney iconography. 1963, that is. Yeah, really, 1963. Gosh. Okay. Right, let's pick another genre. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Fantasy. I love it. I like a bit of fantasy. And give me... Tell me when to stop on the decade. Stop. 1980s. Okay, fantasy, 1980s. And now tell me when to stop. Stop. Teen Wolf. I've seen Teen Wolf. Then we continue. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Conan the Destroyer. I've seen Conan the Destroyer. Then we continue. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Mannequin. I've seen Mannequin, the 80s film, yes. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Ghostbusters. I have seen Ghostbusters. Then we continue. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Battery's not included. Yeah, do you know what? I've never seen Batteries Not Included. I've never, I'm trying, I'm very much aware of it. I've seen like clips from documentaries of the era, but I've never. Okay, Batteries Not Included. Interesting. That's Chris Columbus, I think, who wrote that, isn't it? The guy who wrote Gremlins. Right, let's go back to the machine and pick a genre. That's interesting. Batteries Not Included. Um, Stop. Animation again. Oh, here we go. And Decade, tell me when to stop. Stop. 1990s. Oh. And we generate. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Lion King. I've seen Lion King. Then we continue. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Whisper of the Heart. God, what's that about? Is that a horse? Is there a horse in that? Whisper of the Don't like the sound of that. (laughs) Why? Why? I don't know. I prefer... um... King Arthur or uh, Batteries <laughs> Not Included. 
Whisper of the Heart is a Japanese animated musical coming of age. Romantic drama film. It's Miyazaki. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Now you've uh, t- he wrote my arm. the uh, screenplay. There you go. Oh, I'd be interested. In that. Not that it's about my own. You know, I've got to jump. No, you've you, you got a job to do. Got nothing to do with what you want, Dave. You've got a job Absolutely. to do on the podcast. A crying out loud. Okay, so we've got the fo- sword in the stone. Battery's not included. Whisper of the heart. And I'm going to. So I'm going to mix them up, and then you've got to decide whether it's A, B, or C that you're going to watch. Uh, watch and review next week. A, B, or C. B. Whisper of the heart. There we go. I'm, I'm happy about that one. I didn't know the writer was uh, of, a, of such a high ilk. So I, I look forward to that. Oh, God, I love it. And yeah. what's that about again? It's a love story in Japan. Let me read it to you. Whisper of the heart. Is a 1995 Japanese animated musical coming-of-age romantic drama film directed by Kondo and written by Miyazaki based on the 1989 manga of the same name. Uh, Whisper of the Heart. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. There you go. I will check that out, definitely. That is on the list. Um, With an open mind, an open heart. Yeah, so it's about a 14-year-old girl. One summer evening, she looks through the checkout cards in her library books and discovers they were all checked out previously by someone named Amasawa. Oh, blimey. (laughs) She's got a... uh... (laughs) Oh, that's quite interesting. And then it's a case of actually, you know, someone with similar interests. Interesting. God, maybe I should do that for my dating life. Go around looking at the Tintin graphic novels and seeing who's been, if any ladies have been yeah. you know, renting those. Yeah. Goodness yeah. me, that's quite a uh, sort of way to find some matchmaking. Yeah, you could probably do that at a library, couldn't you, thinking about yeah. it now? Yeah. Turn it into a dating site. <laughs> okay. So, so, so for thought. It's made by Studio Ghibli. You can't beat old Studio Ghibli. Fuck I need me, to watch more of this. three and a half hours long. Not a no, problem. No, I've got not, some energy not, drinks. Not, Thank God, not. that really does. <laughs> There's a real sense of relief there, which shouldn't be really. Do you know what I mean? For crying out loud, three hours of, of storytelling can be glorious, but it's always a risk, isn't it? It's always a gamble. So, thank you very much, David. So, right now, we're going to answer some questions from Patreon. Perfect stuff. Looking forward but, to it. But in the meantime, for all you listeners out there, thank you for listening, and. Uh, I uh, hope 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 that you listen next week. Indeed, thanks for your time. Cheers. Cheers.